Hi, good morning. Good to see everybody here at our main campus. Welcome to you guys that are joining us online. Two quick announcements about two events that are going to be going on. Again, you can get more information about these out at the cafe uh, through Jennifer, or you can see them on our posters. But the first one is January 28th. There's going to be an event here called Finding Hope When Storms Don't Cease. If you want tickets for that, you can either buy them uh, at the cafe or get on our app, or I'm assuming you can see Jennifer and she'll help you figure out where to go. The other one is, is maybe you got this on the way in, so marriage and date night. So if you want to get out and get away and have an opportunity to be de- be together uh, in your relationship, you can come here to Life Church on February the 11th from 6 to 9, and you can come and enjoy laughter and music and have a great date night. So if you want uh, information on that or if you want to get tickets for that, you can get them at the cafe, through the app, through Jennifer, uh, but it's a great opportunity to come together. All right, so we're in a series um, together called Original Design. So I want to give you just a really quick recap of what is original design, why is it important, and what are we going to try to figure out. So here's what we identified, probably bigger or more than I've ever seen. There, We have problems with young women or young ladies becoming young women. We're struggling with boys becoming men, right? We're struggling with finding a workforce that will stay committed, right? People that will be committed to their jobs or committed to the things that they're called to do. We're seeing struggling relationships, right? So I've said this, you know, you're seeing marriages are staying together. It's not just about divorce, but marriages are staying together, but they're not thriving, right? Like people are in the same room together. People are in the same house together, but they're not thriving. We look at, uh, we used to talk about, you know, it's a fatherless generation. I would say more of what we're looking at today is a parentless generation, right? Where two parents are in the home, but they're not around, right? So they're, they're there, but they're so busy working or doing or being involved that they're not around at all when it comes to raising their kids. So multiple different problems, right? And we could address those individually, but for me, I thought the best thing that we could do is go back to the original design, and this is why. I'm a firm believer in everything that if you use a piece of equipment or use the thing that you have based upon the way that it's designed, things go good. If you use them outside of its design, things go bad, right? Like, I use this example. Have you ever seen anybody take a just regular lawnmower, like a little zero-turn lawnmower, and think it's a bush hog? (laughs) Right? Like, will it do it? Yes. Is it hard on the equipment? Yes, right? Like, you can get it done, but at the end of the day, the equipment suffers because it's outside of design. They actually make a bush hog right, that you can drive through your pasture and you can mow stuff that's this tall. You probably shouldn't do it with your zero-turn mower, right? So inside of the design, use it the way it designs, things go good. And when it breaks, here's what we know. Like the other thing is, is that I want to put it back to the way it was designed. So if it breaks, I look at the manual, I go back to the manual and I try to fix it based upon the design or the way that it was made. Put it back the way that it was. That makes sense, right? So the same concept would be, We, as people, have to believe in a creator that designed us, right? And he gave us specific design, specific roles with specific purposes in our life. And we would know this, operating inside of that design, you will flourish. 
right? You'll be able to do the things God's called you to do. You'll be able to operate inside of the world the way that God set it up since he's the one who designed all of those things. But outside of the design, here's the thing. You can still operate inside of the world, but there are going to be things that are going to break. Like, I think we need to realize this. There's plenty of marriages, plenty of relationships, plenty of parents raising kids outside of the design of the way God called them to raise them. We know that, right? Like, we know people can do that, but just so we understand, when it's outside of the design, things are going to break. And I think you're seeing it in our culture today, right? Like, we didn't think that it was that way until now we're seeing this is just something personal. You're seeing 30 or 40-year-old boys in the workplace, 30 or 40-year-old boys trying to get married, right? Like they're married, but they have no idea what it means to be a man, right? And I think some of that is because, well, we can raise them and we can do things in this way, but at the end of the day, they're not becoming men, right? So that's what we're after inside of this design is how is a woman designed? How is a man designed? Operate inside of that design and things are going to flourish. Outside of that design, it's not going to be good. So we spent last week talking about laying a foundation. If you didn't get the idea of what the foundation was, I think you should go back and listen to last week. You can go on our online, you can go on the app, you can go anywhere you want and you can get, you know, not anywhere you want, but you can go on our website, you can go on our app and you can watch or listen to last week's message. It's going to give you the foundation. But here's where we're moving to. So now we are doing three weeks on just men. You excited? (laughs) Some of the women are like, yeah, that's why I brought you, sucker. (laughs) You thought you were just coming to church, but I knew, right? Like three weeks on just men. And so here's what we're going to look at. So how is a man designed? So specifically, how did God design a man? What are the unique differences Different than being biological. Like, it's pretty easy to understand the biological differences between a man and a woman. Right? Like, that part's pretty easy to define, right? And we would understand this, just because biologically people have certain parts, right? Just because boys have penises don't make them men. I didn't say that in the first service because I thought I'd be in big trouble, but... For some reason, it came out in the second service. But here's the idea, right? Just because you have those parts does not make you a man, right? We're looking at what does it mean to be a man? Design, purpose, the way that he put it together. Then we're going to go into the next week. So that's next week, the week after. So why aren't we that way? What are our hurdles? What are the things that are keeping us from being the, the man that God's created us to be, we know we have an enemy, and that enemy's putting some roadblocks or some hurdles in our place. So what are the hurdles? How do we know them? How do we understand them? Third week, then, is this understanding of how we bring it all together. So here's what I want you to hear, men, from the beginning. And women, I think you need to hear this, too, because you're going to have three weeks coming up, right? So, like, hear this. There is no perfection when we walk away from this. We get that? There is no perfection. At the end of the day, here's what I want you to get. Looking at this and thinking that you're going to perfectly do it is not going to happen. What we're going to do is take, how do you take God's design and and man's hurdles and understand that grace always abounds for those who are in the game? Does that make sense? For those of us who choose to try to figure out how to be men, 
we're going to make mistakes. Amen to any man that's out there, right? Like, we, we're just not always going to get it right. It's just the way that it goes. We have hurdles. We want to get it right. But what God's going to reward, you're going to see this in that last part, what God rewards is you getting in the game, not you getting it right. Okay? And he'll do something. When you choose to get in the game, he's going to do something for you that you can't get done standing on the sideline. Okay? So that's important for us to be able to understand. So over the next three weeks, ladies, why are you here? Right? Like, what can you be doing over the, these next three weeks that are going to be helpful for you and helpful for men to become men? Right? The first one is this. So number one, you can start to understand what does it really mean when you say, I want a godly man. So that's what you say. Like you complain to your friends about this. I just wish my husband was more of a godly man. I wish he was more of this. Well, what does that even really mean? Right? Like you ever think about that? Or you tell, you, here's what you tell your daughters, right? Make sure that you date a godly man. What does that mean? Like that he goes to church? Does that make a man godly? that he reads his Bible, that he ends up in a small group. Like, what makes a man a man? Because believe me, I've seen plenty of men that show up to church and plenty of men that sit in small groups and plenty of men who read their Bible that are boys. They just are, right? Like, the criteria for being a man is not religion, right? And so when we're looking at it, I'm hoping for you as young ladies that are here, because, you know, for, for you guys that aren't married yet and you're single and you're trying to get this figured out, you should have an expectation of a godly man and you need to know what it is, right? If you're single in this room and you're looking for it, we should know what we're looking for, right? Expectations. The other thing is, is that, wives, this is important, and I'm going to tell you this, and young girls, I'm going to tell you this, not that you don't already know this, but do you realize how much power you have in the life of a man? Come on, girls. Your words, what you say, the influence that you have. I mean, we kind of will, right? I mean, that's part of what happens with us. Like, you have a lot of power. So here's what we're asking you to do. Figure out the expectations and hold us to it. Now, listen. <laughs> so there is the expectations, but you know how you can get us there and hold us to it? By encouraging us, not telling us how bad we are. Ladies, come on. I know you think telling us how bad we are is helpful. It's really not very helpful. Like reminding us where we fail doesn't help, right? Telling us where we fall short doesn't help. But encouraging us when we do the right thing, we're like, oh, you know, because it's like doesn't happen that often. So when we do it, we're like, oh, man, thank you. Like I feel like this is right. These are the things that I'm supposed to do. So you could encourage us through that, and it's going to be helpful for us as we go down the road. Now, we're going to talk about something today that, again, I think is going to be different than you've heard before, but I want you to know this foundation before we go into the three uh, weeks of talking about this. Here's what we know in culture. Like, here's what you know, I think. If you study secular culture today, you know this financially and socially, right? When men are not fulfilling their roles socially and financially, things in the world crumble, right? Like you do studies. You go into jails and you find young men that are incarcerated. What do you usually find out? 
They're without a dad, right? They grew up without a dad. A dad wasn't present in their life. We just know that there are things socially and economically that happen when a dad does not fulfill his role, right? Then if you go and you talk to somebody where you see a young man flourishing, you know what you usually find? is a father that was involved or somebody who took the place of the father, right? Like if you talk to this young man, they're like, that guy is godly. That, that young man is living beyond his years. You're gonna find a man behind him. Someone who taught or trained him could be his father or it could be somebody who stepped in to be the father, right? We see those types of things. So with that in mind, we have to understand that again, when we operate inside of this, things are gonna flourish. When we operate outside of it, things are gonna crumble. Now, what's unique about a man that's not the same as a woman, Right. So what is it that when we look at the purpose of a man and the way that God designed us, how is it that it's unique and not the same? Because I think this is where we get it confused. So a lot of times in churches you say, men are called to be the spiritual leader, right? So man's supposed to be the spiritual leader of the home. And I said, well, you know, some of what gets confusing with that, it somehow connotates that women can't be leaders, right? Like somehow it says women can't be leaders, but here's what we know. And here's what you know. There are women who are phenomenal leaders, who lead lots of things. I mean, look around Life Church. There's a lot of things led by women that are awesome, right? Women have great leadership ability. That's not unique. Men and women are given leadership ability. It's not unique in just that aspect of leadership. Here's where it's unique and where the Bible separates it. It's in headship. Right? So in headship, or the way that Scripture deciphers or helps us understand, what is our role as a man that's unique that's not for a woman? What's different is you're the head. What does it mean to be the head? Here's what it means to be the head. It's the unique leadership of a man, right, that only a man can do, right, that unique leadership that allows his family and those around him to flourish. His leadership right? His head over certain things done in the right way uniquely allows his family, his children, his co-workers, and people that come in contact with him to flourish. That's what headship means, right? Because I think what you're going to find, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, this idea of man being the head has somewhat got this sour taste because people have done it in the complete wrong way, where men like, I'm the head, and they've went home in the name of Jesus and been mean to their wives. No guys like, I know that was me, right? But some of you women have experienced this, right? Like you've experienced a man who went to church and the preacher said, you're the head, and he went home and you're like, hey, honey, I'm in charge regardless of how mean and demeaning I am to you, you need to submit to God and you need to submit to me and you need to, it's just terrible. That's not the way it was designed, right? Headship done in the right way as a man will allow a woman to flourish, right? Done in the right way will allow their children to flourish. Done in the right way will allow culture to flourish. So headship is a very important thing that we're gonna look at and we're gonna see how it's carried out, right? And we're gonna see how it's carried out in the home, in the church, and in culture, 
Okay, so the first thing we're going to look at is how does he tell us or how does he design us when it comes to headship? Genesis 2, 5 through 17. So in Genesis 2, 5 through 17, he's going to give us this foundation of how we take this idea of headship and look at it from a design perspective. Okay, so Genesis 2, starting in verse 5. Here's what it says. Now, no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. But the streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, uh, in Eden, and there he put the man and had for- the man that he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden, there was the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. A river watering the garden flowed from Eden. From there, it was separated into four headwaters. The name of the first was the Pishon, and it winds through the entire land of Havilah, where there is gold. The gold of that land is good, aromatic resin, and onyx are also there. The name of the second river is the Gihon. It winds through the entire land of Cush. The name of the third river is the Tigris, and it runs along the east side of, the, of Ashur. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. Verse 15, he brings it together. I created the man, put him inside of the garden. What was going to be his purpose? Here's what his purpose was supposed to be. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Now, let me give you the picture because it's important. God created everything, right? So we looked at that in Genesis 1. God created everything. So there's this whole world that he created, and then inside of it, he created the Garden of Eden. Okay, does that make sense how it's different? So outside, you kind of have the untamed world that he created, and then he took this purposeful Eden and created it and said, because he created it, I'm going to create man, and inside of Eden, man has a purpose, Right? So from the beginning, he said, in Eden, man's purpose is going to be twofold. Work it and keep it. You need to work it and you need to keep it. And so the idea was is that from the beginning, what Adam was going to do inside of the garden, even before Eve ever existed, was he was going to work it. So God created it. And so there was going to take work to keep it up. Right, And then he was going to keep it, like keep it in order so that it could grow outside of Eden. Is this making any sense? Right, like here's Eden. If he works it right and he keeps it and protects it, then Eden can spread over the rest of the world. Right, so the first design of a man, work it and keep it. So that's why we know this, right? For every man you were, whether you like this or not, designed to work. Say it one more time. Every man in this room was designed to work. Nobody, nobody looks at a guy that's a sloth laying on the couch, doing nothing, letting his wife take care of everything. Be like, oh boy, I want to be a man just like him. Right? Nobody's sitting there and be like, oh boy, I aspire. Okay, no woman is saying, can I please have a man like that? 
somebody who's just going to lay on the couch that I have to take care of for the rest of my life because he's a lazy bum. Any women looking for that guy? No. God didn't design it. We all know this. Listen, inside of every man, not only is there like when you look at somebody that's lazy, you just want to punch him. Right, like there's this internal, like I can't take it, that guy's lazy because God designed inside of every man that we're not supposed to be lazy, that we're supposed to work, right? And you even know, like inside of you, here's what you know. When you're being lazy, you're like, ooh, this isn't good. Come on, guys, right? Like you've been through this, I need to rest, and then it turns into laziness. Like I've been working too much, and I went from working too much to doing nothing, Right, like there's this understanding deep inside of every single one of us. Inherently, we know it's the man's job to work. You were designed to work. If you're not working, and again, I get it. There's these extenuating circumstances, extenuating circumstances. Everybody will send me an email, but you know, and I get it. Like, okay, I, in the original design, because here's what I'm going to tell you. What we're going to be talking about, and I'm going to say this probably over and over again. Here's what you need to understand. There is an ideal, which we're going to talk about. That makes sense? The ideal, what scripture says. When the ideal isn't present, grace abounds. You hear what I'm saying? Like, you're always going to, don't send me those emails. I already know that. Like, I know in your situation, it's, it's not ideal. I get that. There's a lot of not ideal situations, and we just have to say that God's going to do something that only he can do because grace abounds but he can't make us stop talking about the ideal, right? This is the standard. This is what he puts. This is what he wants us to be able to do. So the idea is the man is going to work and that a perfect man is a working man. Now, how does headship play out for most of us in the room, right? So for most of us in the room, this is a place that we can sit on and think about. Headship and how it plays in, out in the home. So if you have a Bible, turn to Ephesians 5. We're gonna look at 25 through 31. Now, if you're single, okay, and you're sitting in this room and we're reading Ephesians 5, which focuses on being married, being a father, looking at that aspect, and you're like, what am, what am I going to do? What, I, I'm checked out. Just keep listening. At the end, we're going to address single men, right? So if you are a single man, there is a place in the end where we're going to say, like, this is how it plays out in Scripture that you as a single man need to be able to figure it out. But what we're going to look at now is how headship carries itself out in the home. Here's what he says. If you're going to be the head and you're going to work and keep it, here's how we should do it. Ephesians 5, 25 through 31. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and will be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh." Gives us three things, right? Three ways that we can carry out headship in the home. So for a man, listen up. Here's what he tells you. If you want to be a man, here's the first thing that you got to get right. Sacrificial love. You have to learn to love your wife as Christ loved the church, which he sacrificed and... Anybody know the story? 
died for it, right? Love her, sacrifice for her, die for her. If you want to show headship, it's not being domineering and demanding, but it's being sacrificial and serving. Now, that's a switch, isn't it? Right? Like, that's not what you would normally hear, but inside of Scripture, it says sacrificial love. So what does sacrificial love look like as a man? Well, here's what I want you to think about. So, man, I'm just going to walk you through a normal scenario. And, and in this, I want to make sure that I make this very clear. But in a normal scenario, you know, a guy works all day, and I can remember these days when I, we had young kids, and you've worked all day, and you get home, and your wife's about half bonkers because she took care of the kids all day. And they're like, here, take the kids. You're like, I don't want the kids. I worked all day, right? Like, I get it. Them kids are bonkers. Can we just put them in a room by themselves where we both can have time, you know, away from them? Anybody feeling me? Like, this is, this, is, this is the way it works still, right? Like, no? Okay. Well, it's the way it was for me. Like, you get home, and you're like, holy crap, I just need a break. I need a break. I'm going to go sit on the couch. Honey, can you bring me something to drink? When will supper be ready? You know, do you notice how dirty the house is? Why'd you let the kids get the toys all over the house? All of you guys are like, oh, no, I never did that. You know what sacrificial love looks like? You walk into the home, and it's like, what do you need before what I need? You don't sit down. You don't do, because here's what I want you to get. It's not that you're trying to take away your wife serving you or take away from what your wife wants to do for you, but you don't expect it. You see the difference? Yeah, right? Like, you see the difference, right? Like, you can come in there, but the idea is I don't expect it, I love it, it's awesome, but I don't expect it. How can I help you, right? Sacrificial love says, how can I help you? What can I do to be able to meet your needs? It's not all about my needs. Anybody, right? It's like not all about my needs. It's about you, and I'm gonna look at you first, and I'm gonna try to figure out what you need. And in the midst of all of that, when you focus on someone else before yourself, it's sacrificial, it's gonna cost you something. Because you're going to want to sit down and you're going to want to rest and you're going to want to disconnect and you're going to want to do. But I'm just telling you, working inside of that design, sacrificial love, God's going to do some things that only he can do. He's just going to work it out. That's the way it is. You know what the next thing that he says? Not only is it that we should understand sacrificial love, he says that we should also understand that the man's responsibility is the spiritual climate of the home. Now, Again, you remember when I said, um, when things aren't ideal, grace abounds? Remember I said that in the beginning? So we already know this. There's a lot of moms that took your place, dads, and did a great job. I know you don't want to hear this, but you left the spiritual climate up of your home to your wife. Your wife prays with your kids. Your wife reads to your kids. Your wife puts your kids to bed and prays with them. Your wife did it all while you were watching the game or why you were out in the shop, or why you were somewhere else and absent. So can they, can somebody else step up and fill in for you? Yes, but you know what the problem with that is? It's not the design of God and there's still something missing. Your children need the father to set the spiritual climate, the father to lead, you know why? I'll just give you this as an example. Because a son 
where the, the wife sets the spiritual climate inside of the home will also let the, the, the wife set the spiritual climate in his next home when he gets married. Do you see how that works? You know why? Because he watched it. It was, a, it was okay for dad to be absent. Now I can be absent. It's okay for dad not to care because somebody else will take care of it. He'll now turn it into an expectation of his future wife and it's completely outside of the design. Not the way God wanted it to be. Men, we got to step up, set the spiritual climate. Listen to me. You know why you should do this, guys? Listen to me for a second, okay? This is really important. When Jeff stands in front of Jesus someday, guess what? He's not held responsible for your kids or your wife or any other woman in this room. You know who Jeff's held accountable for? His wife and his kids. You can choose not to set the spiritual climate, guys, all day long, and your wives are going to fill in, and they're going to do jobs, and, they're, and I mean, your kids are going to get it, but when you stand in front of Jesus, you think you got away with it, you didn't get away with it. You will be held accountable for not setting the spiritual climate in your home. You will be, God someday is going to talk to you about your absence, right? So we need to get it, and, and, and listen to me, guys. Don't get so caught up in, well, my wife knows so much more about the Bible than I do. She's so much better at it. Listen to me. You know what God honors? Getting in the game. Not how much you know, how much you can comprehend, how many great stories, or how you can pray. When you sit down, fathers, when you sit down and you pray with your children, when you sit around a table and you talk about spiritual things with your children, you don't have to get it all right. That's not what they're looking for. They're looking for you. They're looking for you, and they need you. And just so you understand this, too, I'll just throw this as kind of a caveat. So where does the church fit in? How does the church fit in to, if the man's job is to set the spiritual climate inside of his home, how should the church help? Because this has become backwards. A lot of fathers, a lot of husbands have given over the setting of the spiritual climate not only to their wives, but to the youth pastor, the children's pastor, and the church. Just so we're all on the same page. The youth pastors are not going to be held accountable for your kids. The children's pastors are not going to be held accountable for your kids. The church is not going to be held accountable for those things. Listen, we're going to help you. That's what we're here for. Everything that you need, we're here. We'll help you. We'll, we'll help put you in the places you need to be put into. But at the end of the day, we're not going to stand in front of Jesus and I can be like, why didn't you disciple somebody's kids? That's not our job. That makes sense? Okay, now, not only spiritual climate, but now it's provision. So in the beginning, it says sacrificial love, right? We need to have sacrificial love. Then we need to understand how to set the spiritual climate. Men, be leaders in your homes. Understand what these things look like. Get to the place where we can understand what these things look like now. The last one is provision, okay? Let me tell you what provision isn't. Are you ready? Guys, are you ready? I think you'll like this one. The first service, they didn't say much, but I think you'll like it. Provision does not mean giving your wife everything she wants. Yeah? Come on, right? Like it doesn't, provision does not mean when she wants, you give. Because remember, you know what headship looks like? Because I want to tell you what happens inside of a home. You know, a man who loves his wife and his children by giving them everything they want 
does not cause flourishing. Remember what headship's supposed to do? Headship is supposed to cause flourishing for those people in the home and the people around them. So we already know this, right? Like we know inside of, of, of marriages, when you look inside of provision, you can give your wife everything that you want, right? Like you can give her everything that you want and you're gonna be in debt so much she's never gonna see you. Anybody, right? Like, like you love your wife. You're gonna give her what she asks you're doing. That's not, that's not provision and it's not healthy because you're gonna put yourself in a financial position that's gonna make it so somebody's going to be gone and somebody's not gonna be flourishing and it might be both of you because you're trying to make enough money because you gave into everything you want. We know that this isn't good for kids, right? We know that flourishing you know, inside of our children isn't good to give them everything that they want. As a head of a household, as the man over the house, we need to step in and say, the best thing that we can give our children is being present, not toys. Right, Being in the home and not giving them everything that they want. We've got to make sure that we understand that and, and understand how to do it. Now, understand this, okay, because I want to make sure that this makes sense. So if you are looking at any of those things and you're going to say, well, I'm not very competent at it, so because I'm not competent at it, I'm going to punt and let somebody else do it. Okay, so I'm just going to tell you in, in some circumstantial things, like how we can work through this, because I'm assuming at the end of this message as a man, you're going to be like, dude, I can't do that. There ain't no way I'm prepared for that. There's no way that I'm ready for that. I'm not, I'll never be able to step into it. So I'll just give you, so um, when my kids were younger, we only had one girl in the home, you know, and there is something different about girls than guys. Did you know that? Like guys aren't very emotional. They're kind of like, just say hey, whatever. Girls tend to have a few emotions, right? And as a guy, when there's only one of them, you're like, hey, honey, like, she's emotional right now. Can you? Because I don't know what to, what do you do with this? They're just crying for no reason. Like, I have no reason. I have no idea why they're crying. Well, then when we took in the Clark kids, we had four women, four girls. And, and it was weird. Like, there were moments where there was no reason. Like, you couldn't reason anything. Right? Like it wasn't even like, like I, I can talk with anybody that it makes sense, but sometimes when you talk with young girls and their hormones and all these things, it doesn't make any sense, right? Like, why are you crying? I don't know why I'm crying. I'm like, well, what do you want me to do? I don't know what you want me to do. I'm like, dude, I don't know what to do either. Anybody? Let's raise some girls, right? Like, but my lack of competence not knowing what to do doesn't give me the ability to punt. Because you know what God's asking me to do? Not to have all the answers, but only to be present. My only failure is not being there. The only failure is choosing to not be around. And the same concept is this. Listen to me, guys. We know this. So when we look at this, you're looking at this list and you're looking at the things that you can do really well and you're gonna like stand on that and then you're gonna try to figure out how somebody else can do it. That's, that's how we work. Like these are the three things that God designed men to do and I'm really good at this one and somebody else can figure out the rest of it, right? Or I don't have to be good at all of them. Anybody? Right? Like I don't have to be good at all of them. Well, here's what I want you to hear most men do. So most men, right or wrong, here's what they, they choose to do. They're like, well, you know what? For me, I'm the provider. You know how I show my love? 
providing, working, putting in the hours, going, putting my nose to the grindstone, showing up for work, doing all those things. The sacrificial love, yeah, I show my sacrificial love by working all the time. Spiritual direction, all that stuff, like, dude, somebody else can take care of those things. I'm punting, right? I'm punting on these two things. Here's what I want you to hear. Listen, we know this, and, and if you don't know this, ask your wife this. She'll probably tell you. You think that you're loving your family well by working all the time and not being present so that they can have the things that you think that they want, but you know what they really want? You. You home, you present, you not falling asleep every time you sit down, right? Like you being there. That's what they want. They don't want you to have everything, right? Like we know this about kids. You know what you, know what you see with kids? They were given everything they want by their fathers, but their father was never home. You ever around any of those kids when they grow up? Do you want to slap the crap out of them? Because they're spoiled little brats. They got everything they want. Dad wasn't present. God, Dad didn't set any spiritual direction. Dad didn't put anything in place. Dad just gave them everything they wanted, right? And that's the way he's saying, look at what I've done. Listen, when you punt on your responsibility and your design, whether you're good at it or not, when you punt on it, there are consequences. There's just consequences. And you need to understand that because regardless if you're good at it or not, that's not what God's asking. He's asking you to engage. Will you love sacrificially? Will you set the spiritual climate in your home? And will you be a provider? Provider meaning providing opportunities for your wife to flourish, right? Now, the other thing that I wanna answer because somebody asked me about this in the first service when we're talking about provision Here's what I want you to hear about provision. Somebody always asks this. So does, does a man have to be the breadwinner of a home? You ever heard that question before? Does man have to be the provider? Okay, so you remember when I told you I have opinions? <laughs> I have an opinion on this one. Okay, so this is my opinion based upon what I think Scripture says. We're all on that same page, but this is my opinion. Your responsibility as the head of the home is to give an opportunity first and foremost before your children for your wife to flourish. Headship, true? I'll give you a little preview, ladies, and you, you might hate this because you might not come back. But you know how God says that you flourish and your responsibility is to be a helper and raise your children. You're like, I ain't coming back to hear that sucker. <laughs> But that's what it says, right? Scripture says you were designed to be a helper and to raise your children. Does it say you can't work? No, you can work all you want to work, but not sacrificing the idea of helping and raising, right? So what's your job as a man? To provide an opportunity for your wife to flourish. Give her a chance to be able to, again, uh, help you, give her a chance to be able to raise your kids and give her a chance. If she wants to work, let her work all she wants. Work and not work doesn't have anything to do. Do you see how it's not a who makes more question? Being the primary breadwinner isn't a who makes more so they should work more. It's a what's my responsibility. Does that make sense? Right, so we got to make sure that we see that uh, inside of it. Now, here's the other thing. Work it and keep it. Okay, so what does it mean to keep it? Here's what we know, and this is in 90% of the cases, so you might send me an email and it might not be in your case. Most of the time, 
men are stronger than women. By design, right? By design, God made men physically different than he made women, right? So when you look at this idea of we're supposed to work it and we're supposed to keep it, okay? And this is a little preview of what's coming up. Your job is to be a protector, men. Your job is to stand in the gap and protect your women, the women of this world. Like, it's your job to stand into those places. We see the devastation of this not happening in the Garden of Eden when Adam chose to stand off to the side and let his wife, Eve, be tempted by Satan. Why? Because he's a pansy. Yes? His job is to protect. What was he doing? What are you doing over there? Right? He was doing nothing. He wasn't protecting. Our job is to protect. You all know this, right? Nobody's celebrating the man that, you know, when you hear that thing in the middle of the night and the dog starts barking. Nobody's celebrating the man. Hey, honey, can you go look at that? True? Nobody's saying, wow, what a great man. He's sending his wife to the front lines. (laughs) Now listen to me. This isn't diminishing men or women, but here's what we know in history. You know this in ancient history, right? So if you see the wars of ancient history, here's what you know. Men never sent their women to the front lines to die. When there was a war, who went to the front line? The man right? We know that inherently, right? And we should be training that into our children. Clear back when we took in the Clark kids, um, their dad was still on uh, meth and heroin. So there were some times when they were on meth and heroin that you do things that are somewhat crazy. You know, one time I was at their house, he put a knife to my neck, like you just like crazy sometimes. So he called us one night and he said, hey, just so you know, this is what he called his kids, his property. I'm coming to your house right now, and I will get my property no matter what it takes, okay? So immediately, I called the prosecuting attorney, and I said, listen, here's the deal. Somebody's dying tonight, and it's not going to be my family. So I need to know how this works, right? So we did two things. I took my son, Brady, who was in high school at the time, and gave him a gun and told him to stand at the front door or at the back door, I got a gun, stood at the front door, and we took the other half of the kids and we sent them over to the Hypels, where I knew Mark Hypel had a gun and wasn't gonna let anybody in either, okay? And here's what I said. Our job, Brady, is to protect. If you see him come in to hurt your mom or these kids, your job is to protect them, not yourself. Stand your ground. Right? That's our responsibility. We should be training inside of our kids. You need to be a protector of women. You need to stand the gap. Not that they need it, but it's our job. Right? It's not diminishing whether a woman can or can't protect herself. Your job is to protect. Your job is to take care of. Your job is to stand in the gap. That's what he designed you for. Be a keeper of it and protector of it, and we need to make sure that we live that out inside of our life. Now, if you're single, 
how does this work, okay? So if you're single as a man, or if you're a single lady in here today, what should you be looking for and what does it look like? Because we just talked about how to be a husband, how to be a father, how it fits, headship fits inside of the home. How can you do it, right? Imaging headship is something that you as males that are not married yet should do. You should image headship. I always tell young people, listen, if you're gonna go out on a date, young ladies, here's what I would suggest that you do. You can go out and you can go you know, to, to places and you can have dinner and you can do all those things, but you know what I would suggest you do? Take your boyfriend into the home and watch how he treats his mother and how he treats his sister. Because if he is disrespectful to his mother and his sister, he will be at some point when the beautifulness of your face wears off, be disrespectful to you. Amen. Doesn't change. It's the way that it works, right? Like you need to be imaging. So guys, you know what you could be training for? Be respectful for your mother. Like there's only one thing that drives me completely crazy. It's when young men are disrespectful to their mother. Don't be disrespectful. Don't, don't expect things out of your mother that you shouldn't be expecting of them, right? Treat her as a woman, right? Guard her, protect her, help her. Get off the couch. Like watch them when they're around their mom. How do the boys act when mom's getting up and mom's having to do? Are they sitting there expecting her to be a servant? Mom, 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 mom. Mom. Remember what I said, nothing wrong with mom serving, right? But not as a slave. Right? Moms can serve as a love language. Boys that are becoming men should never expect their moms to be slaves. Because you know what happens? That doesn't change. That doesn't change. Young ladies... That doesn't change. There will be an expectation that carries over and over. You know, the other thing that you should be looking at, like single men, you should learn to work. And I know a lot of parents, you know why we have a lot of our problem today? We, I'm not gonna blame parents or blame kids. I still blame parents. You know what part of the problem is? Well, my kid needs to be a kid. No, your boy needs to become a man. You need to train him how to work. I, I get what you're saying. I know what you're saying right? But listen to me. The most devastating thing that will happen to them is not missing an athletic event or not missing out on some activity. The most devastating thing will be is when your young boy never becomes a man and gets married and causes devastation in his family because you didn't train him up. Get him to work. Teach them how to work. Help them see. Listen, if you're a young man and, and, and you see people working around you and you're on the couch, get your butt up. Anybody? Get up. Just get off the couch. Doesn't mean you have to do everything. But you know, inherently, inside of you, like boys learn this, but when you become a man, you can't hardly sit there when other people are working. That didn't, that right, not right, yeah. right? But boys have no problem sitting around while everybody else is doing the work. 
right? Like we got to help our kids get out of those types of things and help them move into a different direction. So we need to be able to help them get that. And here's the next thing. Listen to me, men. You need to pursue a godly woman to marry. Let me say that one more time. Listen to me. You need to pursue a godly woman to marry. Now, here's what I want you to hear me say. Is physical attraction important? Some of the guys are like, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to answer this one. (laughs) Yes! Like, the first thing is, she's hot, right? Like, that's the first thing that draws you. Like, she is good looking. But you know what I always told my kids? So that's going to be your first attraction, but let me give you a little insight. Gravity wins. All of those things you're attracted to right now sink someday. I'm just saying, is it not true? I mean, at some point, all that stuff that you were all excited about gets wrinkly, right? And gets it's different. Physically, we change. Is it not true? And you can try to prolong it, and you can try to do, you might do it overboard, and you might be drooling someday, but at the end of the day, you cannot go against it, right? Like, you cannot reverse aging. Gravity wins. That's the way it works. You know why that's important? Because listen to me. I told him, when you find a godly wife, when you find a godly wife, and that stuff starts to change, as your wife is godly, you will fall more in love and more in love and more in love and not less. Look for a wife. Look for a godly wife because that is what's gonna deepen your love forever and ever and ever, okay? So the worship team's gonna come back up. I wanna finish on a couple things. Men, hear me when I say this. I'm gonna try to bring it all together. So if you bring it all together, I want to put it in this perspective because I think this makes sense. You were designed for war, not peacetime. You were designed for war. Inside of us, we know this inherently. When there's a fight, inherently men want to get into it. True? Guys, like men are like, I'm not going to sit back and watch that happen. I'm getting into battle right? You were designed when you become a man to say, I'm going to be in the war and I'm going to be in the fight. That's all God's asking. You know, we're looking at all of these things and we're saying, how am I going to do it? And I'll never be able to do it. And you just asked me to be the spiritual, you know, leader of my home and have headship over it. And I don't even read my Bible. I don't even do devotions. I actually don't know anything, right? It's okay. It's okay. You know what he's asking you to do? Get in the game. Get in the war, Fight the battle. Get on the front lines. Stand in front of your women. You might not have it all right. You might not have it all together. You might not be able to get it all together. But at the end of the day, God will honor men on the front lines. God will honor men who choose to fill in the gaps. That's what he's going to do. You don't have to have it all right. Now, women... Listen, you know this, but I'm going to remind you of this. You have a lot of power in the life of your man. Your words mean a lot. Your encouragement means a ton. I'll just remind you, 
you're right, we're not where we need to be. Reminding us is not helpful. Telling us we're falling short doesn't motivate us to move forward. You know what motivates a man? Is when you say, great job, I see you. You're doing, I see you, great. And we're like, yes, that hardly ever happens. You're like, yes, right? Because that's what we desire deeply. We need those things. We need those words. And young ladies, listen to me. I want you to hear this. As you're looking at that, you know part of the reason we still have a bunch of boys? It's for two reasons. Moms, let your husbands train up your sons to be young men. Stop protecting them. Sometimes they need something from a man. And it might hurt. And it might be difficult, but don't take it away from them. Young ladies, set the standard high for the man that you're looking for because men will rise to the occasion of the expectations that you put there. They just will. If you put an expectation out there, they're following. They're going. Like, this is what you need. I'll do the best I can. But when the expectations are low, you're going to have a bunch of boys following you around. Right? A bunch of immature boys that will never grow up. Set your standards high. Now, we get a chance to take communion together. So in our time of communion is a time of reflection. And I think for each one of us, we can reflect in different ways. As a man and as a woman with this understanding, Jesus Christ died for our sins, rose again, right? Blood shed for us, body broken for us, rose again for us. The Holy Spirit is now living inside of us, giving us the power to do more than you could ever think that you could do. So men, if you feel not equipped, it's great because you're equipped through the Holy Spirit. He will give you the power to do. Young men, if you're thinking like, I'll never be a man, I'll never. Yes, you will. Give yourself over to the training. Give yourself over to the Holy Spirit. He's going to do amazing things far beyond what you could ever ask for or imagine. Okay? So when we take communion, contemplate those things. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the time that we're together. Thank you that we can learn the design of a man and what his purpose is. And Lord, help us to understand and have the courage to live inside of that purpose and that design. Lord, we love you. To your name we pray. Amen.